broadcasting live from Humans Are the Real Monsters. This is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. And I'm your other host, Seamus Connolly. And today we are going to be talking about a, a game that we have been threatening to cover on this show for many years, it seems like. <laughs> it's It seems threatening to you because you just can't find a way to get through it somehow, but... I've been I've been ready to roll for uh I guess since I had a PS3 so many so many years ago. 10 years ago in 2013 when this game came out. Oh god. Oh Jesus. <laughs> we are talking about in honor of the new HBO series adaptation of it, Naughty Dogs The Last of Us. And before we get into that in our main segment where Seamus and I are going to have some very interesting conversations about uh, our differing levels of completion of different formats of this video game slash TV show slash story, we do have a little bit of news that we need to touch on, which is that Netflix, in lieu of their whole movie every week campaign that they've carried the last couple of years, released a save the dates campaign. So we're not getting a Netflix movie every week, but we are getting a lot of Netflix movies. And in addition to your murder mystery twos with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston <laughs> and your extraction twos with Hemsworth, I went ahead and I pulled some stuff that we actually might be might be interested in in seeing. And hopefully if you listen to this show, you might be interested in seeing some of these as well. Starting off here with We Have a Ghost, we've got Anthony Mackie, David Harbour, Jennifer Coolidge... We got that coming on February 24th. This one sounds like it could be a lot of fun to me. I'm a big David Harbour guy. Uh, Anthony Mackie will get me every time somehow, even though his roles sometimes are a little more subtle. I, 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 I think this one's going to be interesting. I just love it every time he does something that's not Marvel, because I remember yeah. seeing him, you know, over 10 years ago in the Adjustment Bureau and thinking this guy is such a movie star. He's so charismatic. He's so good. I want to see him in everything. And then he did... 10 years of Marvel where he's just kind of nothing and I like him a lot but it's not I don't think it's really showing his full range or what he's capable of so I'm glad to see this coming out I love Christopher Landon the director who did the Happy Death Day movies and Freaky and this seems like a little bit more lighter fare for him even though those are horror comedies so I'm excited I'm excited for this one yeah you have a little more experience with Christopher Landon than I do but the idea sounds fun pet ghost I'm into it is David Harbour the ghost? David Harbour is the ghost, I'm based in, on I'm... the still image that I saw. <laughs> well, I love that. I'm I'm very much into that. I, I I will maybe check that one out. Netflix hasn't quite been getting me lately, but that sounds fun. Well, that's the thing that I that I feel like in, last year when we talked about a similar campaign here, there were a couple of things that really stuck out to us. Mainly Glass Onion, of course, which we were so hyped about regardless of where it was coming out, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And those are movies that I would have been really excited about, Netflix or no, and I think this year it just doesn't have the same mm. punch. There's nothing on here that I'm like, wow, that's a Netflix movie? I mean, like, maybe if I cared about Luther, I would be in for this Luther movie yeah, I that mean, they're doing i mean i've never watched any luther either they're doing a luther the fallen sun movie that's coming out march 10th and i would watch luther it's supposed to be really really depressing but i like idris Al elba there's a million seasons of it going back 20 years oh my god that's way longer than i thought that show went on for i saw oh, promos I no for idea. it i guess for my entire life now that i'm thinking about it i guess that makes more sense now no, it's only been going since 2010, so only only 13 years. Oh my god, still though, still. Yeah, that's something I would definitely watch after after I get to the rest of Luther. <laughs> I feel like Luther is something that was on Netflix way back. Like that was one of the OG, OG Netflix. Streaming. Yeah. You could order a Luther DVD in the mail. Probably, probably. I, and then we hit a bunch of pieces that I think I'm more interested in because of just who's in them than I am necessarily in the premise. You've got The Cloned Tyrone, which is some kind of crime thriller coming out in June with John Boyega and Jamie Foxx. Damsel with Millie Bobby Brown coming out in October, October 13th, where it looks like she's just, you know, 
fighting dragons with a big old sword with a ripped dress. Yeah, I, I bet she does that scream of hers that you know she always does. I oh, bet yeah. she does that at least once. That looks interesting to me. It doesn't look like anything Enchanted hasn't already done, but you know. And then Pain Hustlers with Emily Blunt and Chris Evans is some kind of, like, maybe pharmaceutical crime drama? I don't really know what's going on there, but that also looks interesting to me based on who is in it coming out in October as well. And then Zack Snyder continues his ongoing relationship with Netflix with his new sci-fi epic Rebel Moon, which is, if I'm being honest, probably the thing I'm most excited for on this list. I mean, I can I can get behind that. I, I don't know, we, we really don't know much about Rebel Moon, but sounds fun. I like a sci-fi epic. I like Zack Snyder when he gets to just kind of run wild. He, it's, it's entertainment at the very least if it's not an a incredible movie, so that, that'll be interesting. I don't really know if I can categorize when I do and do not like Zack Snyder because I wouldn't. I think I would say that I like Zack Snyder when he's not doing superhero stuff. Sure, but yeah. I like, but I like Snyder Cut, even though I don't like the rest of his superhero stuff. And Snyder Cut is an artifact, Gary. You have you can't uh, judge yeah. it against the other just whatever they're pulling out there. It's it's such a strange piece to to view. But I also don't have that much interest in things like like Sucker Punch or 300. I don't feel like I've we, never seen either of them. We almost talked ourselves into watching Sucker Punch like recently. I, I come on, man. We were <laughs> like, not... why is everything sounding kind of awesome when we read about it? Because, but it's more of a curiosity than it is like actual. Like I'm actually interested in Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon <laughs> in a way sure. that I'm okay, yeah, not yeah. actually interested in Sucker Punch. That is fair. That is fair. But I mean, who, who knows, man? Maybe it, it's a cult classic. Maybe it's underground stuff. People misjudged it. Sure. I'm not saying it's not that. I just don't, you know, it it doesn't hold the appeal for me right now. There are plenty of movies that I've been more than happy to be wrong about in the past on this podcast, in fact. Black Adam. <laughs> what up? Black, Black Adam. <laughs> Somehow we are we are the last <laughs> champions of Black Adam. I think us and Dwayne uh, Johnson. Shameless. I was gonna say the Rock isn't even a champion of Black Adam anymore. He's fired for sure. Uh, well, I mean, we're not championing Black Adam for the same reasons that the Rock is. To be fair, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Have the Rock and Zack Snyder ever worked together? Now that is a fascinating question. What would that even look like? That's like know, because... two opposing magnet forces. Because that's the thing, The Rock is the most interesting to me when he is able to give himself over a little bit to to a director. Like, the most interesting work he's done recently was with Michael Bay in Pain and Gain, where mm. he's not just doing The Rock. He's kind of, you know, act, dare I say acting a little bit. Maybe that's <laughs> why I like him in that movie. I, I remember being kind of floored, and maybe he's just acting for the first time ever in something that I've seen him in, but... And so I feel like Snyder, I mean, it may seem crass to, to compare Snyder to Michael Bay, uh, <laughs> but I feel like Snyder might be able to get a similar thing out, out of Johnson. Well, when he shows up for his surprise leading role in Rebel Moon, we'll know for sure. Wouldn't that be incredible? Ah. God, uh, I was the about Black to say, Adam imagine theme starts the Rock playing. doing a Netflix movie like Red Notice didn't come out last year. <laughs> yeah, dude. Or two years ago, or maybe even three years ago. I don't remember when Red Notice came out, but nobody it came does. Out. The Rock doesn't remember. <laughs> the Rock stood on a green screen, equipped with Ryan Reynolds, and he said, "That'll be so good in Hobbs and Shaw too." Oh, and they went about that. God, oh no. Uh, is that happening? Do we know? Anyway, okay, no, we can't. We can't fasten the Furious rabbit hole. No, we will be stuck forever. We will be stuck forever. We will forever. be stuck forever. Officially stuck forever. Because, speaking of being stuck forever, <laughs> uh, that was the end of our news segment, so it's time to talk about The Last of Us. After all these years, let's finally do it, man. For today's main segment, we are talking about the original The Last of Us. Well, technically, we're probably more talking about The Last of Us Remastered. I, I assume that's probably the version of this story that we both have the most experience playing with. I um, know that you have a little... <laughs> yeah, let's let's get it out of the way, Shim. <laughs> let's just talk um... about it. I have been playing the first one probably... I definitely at least did it once on the PS3 original era. I've played it at least a few times on the PS4 to get ready for the second game. I've, you know, I've experienced the second game in its entirety as well. 
But I would what? love to know just where your finish line lies, Garrett. Where where okay. did you make it to? So, I mean, I can't get too far into it without spoilers, but I have played it, I think I started it three different times on the PlayStation 3. I got it for the PlayStation 3 when I got my PlayStation 3 in 2016. Classic. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely started it three different times then. And in prep for this show many months ago, I started playing Last of Us Remastered on the PS5, like the PS4 version of the game on the PS5, which looks amazing. It's hard to believe it's an early-gen mm. PS4 game. That's a remaster of a PS3 game, because I think it looks as good as some games that I've played that have come out in the last, like, three years, so... Yeah, it looks fabulous to this day. I mean, even with all the endless screenshot comparisons to The Last of Us Part 1, the remake of it at this point, I, th- I think it really doesn't really need that part one upgrade as far as i know i guess i never really played part one but i visually at least and gameplay wise it didn't look like an upgrade was really necessary well we'll talk more specifically about how far i made it once we get to spoilers (laughs) and for me the last of us has always been a genuine struggle because i am fully able to objectively recognize the quality of it as a as a game, as a work of art, as a piece of storytelling. I mean, the acting, the graphics are so in tandem, and it maintains a much like the the early Uncharted games. It maintains a authenticity in the performances while still being animated. It looks animated, mm-hmm. and I think that you know when you look at the comparisons to Part One that they've come out with it looks like they've gone for way more realism which i don't think is always best in gaming and that seems to be the trend of late it's just as realistic as we can go is better and the less stylization we have but last of us despite all of the praises i can sing of its quality is not a world or a game that engages me it is bleak and sad and not a place that i want to sink hours and hours of my time into especially as an active participant and i think the two times i tried to play it on the ps3 after my because it's one of the first games i tried to play when i got my ps3 mm-hmm. then after i finished the uncharted games i was like okay i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna try it again you know because i did uncharted which was which is so similar in so many of its mechanics you know that's yeah, too high seriously. for a boost gotta go get a crate <laughs> And the shooting is so similar, and all there's so much of it is so similar that I was like, okay, I'll go back. And the fundamental difference between Last of Us and Uncharted to me is that they're both these cinematic experiences, right? Where more than being a video game, although I will say The Last of Us's actual combat and gameplay is far more complex than Uncharted's. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm um, sure I agree with that. But I think they're both chasing the same thing of, like, they're trying to put you in this cinematic story. Like, The Last of Us feels like you're playing The Walking Dead. Like, you really... I, and I know The Walking Dead already has a very acclaimed mm, video game adaptation. Course. But it feels like you're in that kind of world, and that you're a part of it. And Uncharted is the ultimate wish-fulfillment fantasy of, I am the hero in an action movie. And I get to feel like I am really doing the things that Nathan Drake is doing. I'm hanging out the back of an airplane. I'm climbing on the side of the train. I'm jumping from truck to truck and shooting bad guys. And this is so exciting and exhilarating. And then Last of Us takes that format and puts me in a world that I don't want to be an active participant in. And so as much as I can appreciate the story and the characters and all of the craft that has gone in to that game... It just does not leave me in a place where I want to return to it. I can understand that. It's 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 truly the difference between like, hey man, we we got time for one movie. Do you want to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Road? It's like, well, one is going to really make you feel better probably, but it doesn't diminish the quality of the other, even though it's maybe the saddest thing you can try to wrap your head around in, in a semi-realistic, post-apocalyptic sense. I mean... Survival, it sounds like you were just straight up describing that survival horror 
games are really not for you. And I can understand that. And as somebody who really sinks into survival horror stuff a lot more, like, you know, Resident Evil, uh, The Evil Within, things like that, I, 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 you, you take a little bit of pride in how stressed and struggly it can get. It's like, oh, you have one bullet, literally, and you have to avoid a huge monster or whatever. It's, it's, it's really, it's a different kind of puzzle solving than something that you are offered with Uncharted, which is more like, oh, you have 300 bullets left in this gun, you can switch it out for a completely different one just to, you know, for the fun of it, if you want this different thing going on. I, I It's such a different animal to me. I, I don't necessarily love the world that they're in, but the struggle of that, you know, ammo scarcity, the the crafting which is one of the best parts of that first game if i'm being honest i love that crafting system it's see that that's like an rpg element that i mean i know it's not an rpg but like crafting and scrounging and stuff is not something that super interests me in any game you know that i i I, and i'm right there with you but the way they do it in that first game where it's like there are four ingredients and you can make six things with those four ingredients it's not like an endless like you need 10 pieces of this five pieces of this go harvest wood go find some scrap metal it's just like yeah. if, if you find it you can make either a molotov or a med kit and that's, and that's as simple as it gets. i think that's one of my favorite things actually mm, about this game yes. is is the element of choice like i mean it's I'm not trying to go as far as to say, like, you and I were talking before the cast about Horizon and how I can't stand Horizon's crafting <laughs> system and it, like, ruins the game for me. We bring up Horizon like we bring up the Book of Boba Fett on this show. It's just like, do you need a bad example of something? Here you go. Which is a shame because I like so many other elements of Horizon, <laughs> know, but the gameplay too. just really tanks it for me. Ugh. And I think there's really interesting elements of The Last of Us. I think it's just, like... In, Going back to your comment about survival horror, there are survival horror games that I do like. Like, I like Alien Isolation a lot. Mm, oh, um, man, I've always wanted to play that one. And I think the the thing that is the real difference for me about whether or not something connects with me, a sur- survival horror game connects with me, is how much I enjoy being in the world. And I like being in the world of Alien. It's such an interesting, complex, exciting world. That is hard to beat, though, in terms, like, compared to something, like, fully post-apocalyptic, which is usually hovering more around where survival horror games take place, but... Honestly, I think I I would be more interested in the Resident Evil games than this, even though I've not really tried any of them so far, because I I think that it's a heightened enough world that I would be interested in it, because, and this is where I'm going to bring up, I have watched the first episode of The Last of Us show now, and... I, I will say I've got I am farther in the game than the first episode of the last of a show <laughs> okay. is. Um and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I like I love stories like that. I loved the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. I loved Children of Men, and which are both, I think, active influences on The Last of Us game. And so it's like in that format, in a television, it's something I'm not an active participant in, I do find it a really compelling and interesting story that I'm excited to return to, but I think it's the act of playing and, and it doesn't feel like playing. It feels like work. It feels like Mm. hardship. And I know that's something that you are a little bit more of a glutton for punishment about. (laughs) I I guess I really am. I didn't really think about it like that so much, but like when you, the, the tutorial level of that game has you like casually shooting somebody in the head. Who's like, the spores got me, man. Just end uh-huh. it. Just end it. And it's like, this is how you learn how to shoot a gun in this game? That's <laughs> exactly. super messed up. So I will say this, though, Seamus. Even though I I just could not... I gave it a good old college try. I really did. And I don't you want people to so think... gave so many college tries. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I like am not committed enough to the show to play this or whatever. But I think... You know, you and I talked about this a little bit at the tail end of the show last week that it is interesting for us to come at it from these different perspectives, and this is going to sound really dumb, but I will say watching the show last night had me being a little bit like, okay, maybe I will go back and really try to chip away at the game some more. That is that is interesting. I, I mean, I do hope you one day do finally go full through it maybe even get to that sequel god bless you i mean who knows but it interests me even though it shouldn't (laughs) the sequel specifically like 
I just mean like if I don't like this one that much, why why do it? If I got through, oh this man, one, in, in terms why of why would like, I do number two? But it, I am interested in it. I am interested in number two. So what does that to, say about uh, me? I don't I don't know, man. Because you're you're talking about how like the gameplay itself is bogging you down. It's like you're like, oh, it's like work. The sequel is like, oh, you want triple overtime, man? You want to work hard? Yeah, that's that. that's putting in the real work right there. And I, I think it is. I, I think the thing that is learned to me is the story. I like Ellie. I like Joel. I like that world in, in like an objective sense. In a in a watcher's sense, mm-hmm. like like watching the show. I was so excited watching the show. I was so engaged watching the show. But I th- but I think it's. Maybe I just need to watch a playthrough, but that seems... I don't know. I'm, I don't Play- know. There's some kind of mental block I have against that I for mean, some reason. There is famously in The Last of Us games, and in many more modern Naughty Dog games, they have those... They have the little cheat menu, man. Just tick on the... the Like, you can get the extra accessibility options to play in the favor of, like, you want to basically just walk through this game and see how pretty the trees look in the remaster on a PS5 and not worry about just getting absolutely decimated by clickers. Like, you could do that if you want. Yeah. I th- and I, I should. It, and I- there's no shame in that, man. I know some people would be like, that's lame. You gotta oh, well, pick up I've one bullet at a time. It, like you and I talked about with Bioshock, I've already been playing it on easy just to kind of waltz through it as much as I can. But I think, yeah, yeah I, I think if I could truly just brute force my way through it it might be a little bit more enjoyable to me which is so silly because i like stealth in games i like whatever in games but again it's just in this world it doesn't resonate the same way for me and that's that is totally fine i i'm i'm happy that the show has you excited and even if that is only like an idea of like oh maybe one day i'll go back and and give give it another shot for real like force myself to get through it I mean, in my personal opinion, I think that game really gets its hooks into you towards the the midway point, and the the season changes really have a, a, a bigger effect as you go, and all of that. So, if even if that's just a little bit of an inkling from from watching the first episode of the show, I think that is I think that's good. And you can take your time, do easy mode, do whatever. Hell, just watch a playthrough even if you can get it in 4K on your big nice TV. It'll 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 be fine, I think. But eventually i know you will you'll grit your teeth and you'll get through it i think because they're they're not gonna stop making them for a little bit i think i I think we're getting a couple more sequels as we go but i think let's let's digress from my personal relationship with this game to talk about some more of the specifics i think because i think that like stealth mechanics in this from again just talking about it objectively Mm -hmm. are really interesting and engaging and i like like, even the difference between if you want to pick up a brick or a bottle and what, you know, th- there seems to be a slight difference between those two mm-hmm. things. And I think that's cool. You know, that the, the bottle seems to attract more. I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but in my experience, it seems like the bottle seems to make more sound when it breaks. And so, like, the the zombies, the clickers, whatever, are more attracted to it, as opposed to, like, a brick will seems to, like, stun them more. Yeah, I, I think that's what I've noticed, too, and I, I, I think that subtlety is wonderfully done. Well, I already, I already brought up the how the crafting is, like, because often crafting, boo, tomato, tomato, <laughs> get it out of here. I don't care for it if it gets more than, pretty much more than what we have in The Last of Us. You've got a core set of ingredients and those same ingredients make different things depending on how many and what you want to use there's a repair your melee weapon option as a little extra something i think it's very it's great you you need a little bit of health make a health kit you need a molotov which is very often you make a molotov but other than i mean the the pills upgrade thing like the stats yeah upgrade is a little slower than I'd like. That's that's another part of that insanely slow burn that this Definitely. this game goes through. I'm like I'm almost I'm almost <laughs> to the point that I could get some extra health. Like I need, yeah, I need five it, more pills. Really makes you limp along, and I know that's a big part of this game. Is like you have half a clip of ammo at any given time, and way more enemies than you can deal with with that ammo. It, 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 they're making you struggle like you like you are the characters in this in a specific way that's how this works but i think there's weirdly something very like hitman-esque to to a lot of the missions in this game where they have presented to you 
this massive area that you have to navigate with very minimal resources. And if you go too outwardly violent or publicly violent, you are just going to get swarmed and die. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty much how do, it goes. I do appreciate that element of strategy that is present. In, that's not present in something like the Uncharted games. Maybe a little bit more in Uncharted 4. Which, I mean, I think that's just... It's such a natural point of comparison between yeah, the yeah. Uncharted games and, and Last of Us. Because they are... Not only because they're the same developer, but because, but because, as mentioned earlier, so many of their mechanics are so similar, despite them being set in entirely different worlds. So yeah, it's it, again, I, I objectively appreciate so many things about the design of this game, even if it just doesn't connect with me fully. Yeah, again, I think I think your enjoyment of the show makes me very happy. That, that, that to me, proves that you don't necessarily need to be any kind of diehard fan at all, really, to, to get into it. And I'm, I'm excited to... I have not watched that first episode, but I'm, I'm very excited with your your word of approval that this, that this show might not be as bad as everyone was scared it might be. And I, I know those early reviews were incredible, too, but now it's just kind of... It's kind of out there that this show is, is awesome, and I'm very excited to, to give it a shot. It's probably... I can't think of another video game adaptation that I think is... I mean, it's genuinely just good television. I cannot think of a video game adaptation. I mean, no, that's the whole thing. The video game adaptation curse, right? Yeah, I, I, if you asked me 10 years ago, I would not have guessed that Sonic the Hedgehog and The Last of Us were going to be the two standing at the end of that tunnel that like actually kind of made it through. Well, but The Last of Us, that's the other thing, is that... I was kind of alluding to this earlier when I was talking about how the the Last of Us and Uncharted both are giving you the experience of playing in a cinematic world, mm-hmm. in a cinematic. It they are cinematic experiences, and I think Unch like Uncharted is almost unadaptable because once you take away the element of playing it, then what's the point of like because you don't feel that excitement anymore of being Nathan Drake. <laughs> Like, you might as well be watching a Mission Impossible or an Indiana Jones, where... I, I really was just thinking, like, man, I hope they never adapt Uncharted live action. Just fully forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in- well, insane. I was just recently watching uh, my roommate Fritz play Uncharted 4, and, I mean, that is a good... That's a good movie, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah, it is, dude. That's as good as a movie as any Uncharted game's ever going to be, or as any Uncharted movie's ever going to be. But The Last of Us, by removing the player element from it, I think allows you to focus more on the story in the world, which is The Last of Us' strengths, to me, at least. Those are the things that appeal to me about The Last of Us. And I mean, you're not wrong. The story, the world, it's in, it's entirely engaging all on its own. But I think there are some things that Naughty Dog did in this game and in the sequel where like the gameplay itself draws you into that struggle kind of like how you were saying you didn't like that and there's a few massive gameplay switches that happen throughout the first game that that new perspective it adds a lot to the story itself it adds the the world feels even more oppressive in in certain spaces in in certain parts of whatever season of the year you might be in in that first game and i will be very curious to see how they can if they can express that in a way that matches that feeling from the game in the show but again i think that having the control of the characters when things are happening in those at least in those specific switch up moments i think are important for how the the story feels between the characters themselves i would like to have you be able to elaborate a little bit more on that, I think. And I think it's time to jump into spoilers probably anyway for us. So, I mean, I feel like I've made my thoughts pretty clear on this game already. Yes, I don't even I think, think I need so. to really wrap up before we jump in. But no, let, let's let's get into it. Let's spoil spoiler threshold here. I'm sure you know more about this I, game than you have and played. And That's what I was about to say to you is, despite the fact that I'm excited to watch the show and da 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 da, da, da do not hold back your spoiler thoughts for my sake. Like, we are going spoilers for the full game. I know some stuff. I even know some stuff from 2 that we won't spoil. Yeah, probably a good idea. I, I, no, no, no. That's a good idea. There's some stuff that... When they do season 2 of the show and it's... Exactly. That's what my thought was as well. Because I think we... I like the show enough that I don't want to cover it week to week. 
but because I want to keep continue to enjoy the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Less obligation. Uh, but I do think that at the end of the season, we should come back and, and revisit the full season and talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah, ab- would... absolutely. I'm, I'm in for that. I'm very excited to jump into this show. So, yes, please um, don't hold back anything on my account is, is basically all I'm going to say about that. So please uh, hit me with your spoiler thoughts. Elaborate on what you were about to say. Well, what I was alluding to there is that famously in the winter season portion of the first game, uh, Joel, Joel gets a pretty bad boo-boo and you get to take over Ellie as the playable character for a good portion of the game. And that is, there's a lot of interesting feelings between those characters up to that point between each other. But, like, this is a very hardened, really dark, really, not grindy, but it's 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 the biggest struggle that you can feel in that game at that moment. And that perspective switch and the perspective of, like, controlling a, the character that you've been standing side by side with who hasn't been really helping you that much for the whole game getting getting that perspective while the story seems to change focus entirely for a huge portion of the game i think was very important in the gameplay part of that first game but i can i can see uh i'm sure they will have an interesting plan to take over that season the, the season of the year in the show for this first season here i mean granted i don't know how far the first season is going to go into the story maybe they'll get a couple seasons out of the lore of the first game but i don't know that that part specifically and i can nearly guarantee that you never got your hands on the or never played the dlc story of the first game at all i mean it's in this is actually a question i should pose to you it's in the remaster, right? Like, so it's yeah, not even it's like, DLC for me. It's just like I can play it. Oh, I thought you still had to access it from the main menu. Yeah, but it's like I separate. Can't play but it. I'm yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. It's in it's in the game that I gotcha. already have downloaded on my PlayStation. So I, uh, I that is, is a, that worth me checking out? Slash, is it worth something I should do or could do before I finish the main game? It's something that I think you have already heard her talk about briefly. Yeah. And that's really all you need to know about it. It's it's basically just that little. It's the backstory of her bite. It is it is how she gets bitten cool. basically, and so her I friend should. Yeah, and, I I'll watch that. Then. Yeah, it's very I'll, short. I'll play that. It's, I'll play that. See, that's you see where my mind. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're this. already. I'm sure there will be an episode that's just that DLC, right? I mean, that, that's probably going to so. fit in and, there. And I think that that's something I'm interested in because I don't know a lot about that DLC as opposed to like. I know about the perspective switch in the game, even though I haven't gotten mm-hmm. to that yet as a player. So I think I am interested. I'll go back and I'll hit the DLC probably like quickly then. It's it's super short. You could get it done in no time at all. And it's mostly like conversations between the characters if I remember it. Correct. It's like well, a lot the of the other thing is that I figured it probably wasn't super combat heavy, which is appealing to me. Oh yeah, it's reasons. it's great. There's like plenty of still like interesting little you know how Naughty Dog likes to put in like a little mini game button thing here and there for yep. for just fitting into the lore and the story going on around it. They, there's plenty of that in there. Anyway, you continue on what you were saying. No, I I was just I I was just talking about how the the perspectives of those specific parts of the game I think are important and I'm sure well, I guess I really don't know much about the the girl who's playing Ellie in the show, but you didn't even get yeah you didn't get to her on Game of Thrones, and that's the only thing oh, I know. I from. didn't I didn't know she was in Game of Thrones. She's great on Game of Thrones. She's hilarious, and yeah, we got we got lots of Game of Thrones people on this show. I mean, HBO. It's very interesting how much HBO likes to continue to use <laughs> the same people and and like kind of just fit them together in different ways. Was Patrick Pascal in Game of Thrones? Oh yeah. Very I definitely famously. did not. That was that was the first time I ever saw Pedro Pascal was in Game of Thrones. Most yeah. people, I think, probably. Oh, I mean, he's he's got like a one-off role in Buffy. I recently learned that he was in a show that I watched like half a season of on USA Network in like 2010. <laughs> I have <laughs> no recollection of him being. <laughs> You'd think he'd recognize him with that big shiny helmet he had on for the whole time. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, he yeah he's really. He's a very popular character on Game of Thrones, and I'm not. I'll, I won't get into either of their characters <laughs> okay. Game of too much because I do think someday that you will go back and you will. And I you will I guarantee watch. that I, I will. I, I I guarantee that I will. I'm sure. I'm probably after The Last of Us at some point, but I, I'm sorry I keep bleeding into the show that I have not even watched yet. I, I I keep veering away from the game that we're actually talking about here. I mean, well, why don't I talk about? Yeah, the fact please, please. That, so 
I have watched Sarah die so <laughs> oh, many no. times. Oh, and every time I'm because every time I'm in that like first opening sequence and it feels so exciting and different from so many. Oh. I mean, sure, there are plenty of zombie video games, but I don't think any of them are presented as well as that first opening outbreak sequence in Texas in this it's in the a opening of this game. Phenomenal intro. It, it is so incredibly memorable and frantic and exciting and oh, I love I love it so much. And it's it, it, there's so much momentum and and there's such an emotional gut punch of of her dying and having to watch Joel watch her die and then when we get into, I feel like everything gets so slow. Like I, I don't think it's really a fair. It, I don't think it's fair to the rest of the game in a way how kinetic and how fast paced that opening is to then slam on the brakes when you get to the timeline that mm-hmm. most of the actual story occurs during. Yeah, it it almost feels like that intro could could have been like fit into the start of like um. Oh, what's that stupid game called? Days Gone. You ever played Days Gone, where it's just like hordes of zombies, fire on the cars in the streets, the town's destroyed. But like, I know what you mean. That it, it like it slows right down when you hit old Joel territory, and he's just like a sad, broken, beaten down smuggler of a man. And that's the other thing is that I still think that tonally that opening lines up so much, so well with what's happening for the rest of the game because it unlike most zombie media including i think the walking dead does not revel in the the gore or the violence of it like it does not linger or focus on mm. the people who are being killed or like the zombie you know what they actually do to the people who yeah. get got and i think that restraint and that decision not to glorify and that element of of zombie lore even though it's not i mean they're not zombies whatever they're zombies oh, fine. <laughs> there's um, uh, yeah they're zombies garrett come on but i think it would feel tonally off in most other games if you put it in a days gone or a dead rising or a walking dead even i don't think it would be as effective because i think they would lean too much into the gore gross scary factor of it as opposed to just like you you are you gotta keep your daughter safe and that's what this is about. Exactly. That's why that intro is so effective too. It's like you are you are Joel and your eye your all of your attention is on your daughter. You don't have time to revel in the gore and the violence. You don't have time to see what happens if you wait around and watch the the zombies climb through the chain link fence that they're breaking or you know anything else. It's it's a very mad dash that's so frantic that you yourself are so already invested in taking care of this this girl that you you know they could have very well like driven past that family and it's like daddy are we gonna stop and help them and it's like we watch them get torn apart or whatever exactly but they, they that just is, that's... keep cruising mm-hmm. they keep it yeah you get it you we're on the same page here exactly like yeah i think you and i both appreciate the su- it's weird to call that sequence subtle but the subtleties <laughs> of that opening yeah uh, considering the fact that it is at least of what i'm aware of the most bombastic portion of that game and it's up there it's up there i think that there are moments like that that make me re- that really sell me on playing last of us and the other one i want to bring up that it's the only one i've actually played even though i'm aware that there are more is the sequence where you get ensnared and strung up and hung upside down yeah, dude. and you have to keep the zombies off of Ellie while she frees you. That is another moment where I'm like, where is this in the rest of the game? Like, why do I have to wait three hours of gameplay between sequences that feel so exciting and new and fresh and not just like the same stealth stuff over and over and over again? Yeah, they, they it's very front loaded with a lot of that that bleak stealth stuff. And I, I mean, that's not to say that it's not a through line of the entire game, but there are, I think there could have been a few more upside down fridge rope trap moments as well. I think that that could have been a lot more important in the, the flow and the, and the feel of it, but they, they wanted you to be sad from start to finish Garrett. You can't get distracted yeah. by fun. You need to be sad. 
Exactly, and I and I appreciate that from a storytelling perspective, but I don't appreciate for, appreciate it from a gameplay perspective. And I think there that is right back where the show is is slotted in. You just you want to be given a insane story because the story again is immaculate. I I think it's it's incredibly well done. If this the season finale of this first, I'm sure you you know how this game ends, right? I mean, yeah. I I want to watch I want to watch. Assault Rifle Hospital Massacre, Pedro Pascal, save his pseudo-adopted daughter. I, I think that is going to be the craziest thing ever to see. Yeah, I'm very curious about where they'll choose to end, end the season. Because if I were them, I don't think I would try to fit the full game into, into the first season. Especially, and I don't want to spoil too much about the, mm-hmm. the show because I know you're going to watch it. Because they marinate a lot longer in moments than the game does in the in the show so far mm. and that they really because they don't have the the platforming sections and the sneaking sections right yeah you know you gotta go or, find a plank of wood to walk across this easily jumpable gap so they are able to fill that up with a lot more depth of character and a lot and a lot more internal politicking of what the world is like mm. and because the and this is a brilliant this is brilliance of the adaptation the first episode ends where the first episode sh- of a show uh, adaptation of last of us <laughs> should end but if they had only one to one adapted the the character scenes that would have been 20 minutes a show yeah yeah i guess so that's true. i don't know i don't and i don't want to tell you everything that happens because i just want you to like i, I think i, I have a, a decent idea of what you're saying there and i i, I like it I, I want you to have your your experience that I had with it. But, it, and I'm speaking of where things end, the farthest I've gotten into the game, because the, the most recent playthrough that I was trying to do for the podcast is the farthest I've ever gotten. And I only just now, we crashed the car and had to f- our fight with the bandits and are making our way somewhere, and that's where I stopped. Have you hit a season change? Nope, not even. My God, man! There's four of them. I know. You're, you're, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on here. I right? would venture that probably I'm close to one because just from what I know of like storytelling structure, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think I think if I am remembering where you are, I think you're you're getting close to a, to a little bit of a break there. And maybe that's what maybe that'll be my moment. Is I'm like I'm gonna try to get to a season change, and if the new season doesn't grip me, then I'll you know. Step yeah, back from it. I the, the way they do the season changes with a fairly significant, you know, not like huge or anything, but a significant time jump between the seasons and you you the evolution of the off-screen character development with the with Joel and Ellie together. I think it it gets more gripping every season and I I think that is something that might drive you further with that game as well. Yeah, definitely. So I will keep chip chip chipping along. Maybe I'll definitely update when we get to the season finale of this game for this show. <laughs> good, good. That that will be. Uh, a, I mean, I'll update you personally, but I'll, we'll check in for the audience's sake, for the listeners' sake. Then, and I, you know, I might. Uh, I think the Last of Us Part One, the remake, is on the game trials page of PS Plus. I think Ooh. that if not just to give it a shot to see if I can feel any difference at all, I think that would be interesting to just to check out. I would definitely be interested in trying it. It's just the Dude, if you you, you would know. play the first part of it and you would be an expert on what's different. <laughs> you restarted the original so many times. No kidding. Yeah, honestly, it's it's really it's genuinely insane to me how many times I started this game. And <laughs> it's not like you're doing it. it to yourself on purpose. That is such a depressing, maybe the saddest intro of any game I have ever played. But I, I'd have to really think about that. But pre-credit, pre-opening credits, that's it's it's rough. It is. It's really rough. <laughs> and uh, what else? What else you got to say, Shamus? That's the thing. You you really have to be the one to steer this conversation. Yeah, I'm, to, I'm... To, to fully umbrella it because I just don't have enough experience with it and we've had interesting conversations about why that is and where I'm coming from but I want to make sure that we're still delivering despite that a satisfying complete last of us episode well i i would say the very ending of this game i think is maybe as big of a gut punch as any other part of the game even the intro even but the i i i, I know you haven't finished it you're aware of the like conversation 
at the end of the game between Joel and Ellie? I'm aware of many conversations between Joel and Ellie, and I'm not necessarily aware aware of where they fall. So please enlighten me. Uh, the conversation where he fully lies to her and says that there was nothing that they could do to find a cure and that they just let them go. As opposed to right. the pre, uh, I mentioned before, the hospital massacre that he just absolutely, he grabs the first gun in the entire game with more than three bullets in it, and he just lets them rip. It is maybe the best part of this game that you cannot choose whether or not, like, you do not get a decision on what Joel does at the end of this game. What Joel does is he makes the choice after the relationship he has made with this girl, and he takes it to him. He The Fireflies are irreparably damaged after what he does to them in that hospital, and I think it is flawless. Any other game would have given you, oh, you get the good ending or the bad ending, and you either get to choose or, depending on the choices you made along the game, it chooses for you. This is just, again, entirely bleak in terms of the the story of this first game it is a full sacrifice of potentially humanity to a man that can't let go of this girl that he has fallen absolutely in love with and i think it's fantastic you know i i don't want to say too much about the second game to you about the ending there because i think we're a little too early for you on that but i also don't really have a concept of what's the ending of the, like i know some stuff that happens i think fairly early in the second game oh yeah oh the the, the structure of the second game is going to have you i think just a little more gripped i i was talking about the structure of seasons and the season changes and it's very one after another kind of linear narrative there but the second game, you're gonna, it's you're you're gonna be in the Pulp Fiction verse. You're jumping all over the place over there. It's 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 fascinating. I think you're gonna like it a lot. I really like, and you were just alluding to this, the idea that Joel is such an inherently flawed character that technically grows as a person. I mean, but yeah, he the, the, post opening credits, he's just like you know, twenty five years later or whatever of sad dad simulator. He's just not having <laughs> it out there. But the fact that in such an irreparably broken world, they let you stay an irreparably broken man, like you don't even get the. And I don't want to get into spoilers for the Walking Dead Telltale game because that's an amazing <laughs> game. Oh, so good. But like, you don't get the. The, the same kind of hero moments out of Joel that you do in most games of it's of Last of Us ilk. Sure. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I think I know exactly what you're talking about here, and that's why I think through everything, through the entire struggle of the game itself and the story that the characters are struggling with in, in world, in game, that might have been... I, I feel like I remember talking to a lot of people who were dissatisfied with that last moment there or that last choice of that character but i thought it, it was beautifully done and just as like i said just as dark and as much of a gut punch as any other dark gut punch in this game well i'm excited to keep going i am even though i <laughs> don't lie to me garrett hate it even <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i know dude try the dlc you might I'll get a little more of an itch to get back to the main main stuff and, it is truly and, the ultimate struggle between gameplay and story for me. It is. And that, that is a shame. I, 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 it's a shame that it is true. It's not like I, I disagree with you, really. It's, it, you have to trudge through the, the garbage just like those characters have to in, in a lot of ways. And, oh, I, again, I don't want to say too much about the second game, but it, it's double time. You're, you got you to gotta commit. You, you can't. You can't give up on a game just because you hate it, Garrett, just because it's not fun. <laughs> you have to commit. I mean, it is the most acclaimed video game of all time. Yeah, maybe. It, it's it's getting up there with Skyrim in terms of, like, how many generations uh, and how many different consoles can we put this onto? And yeah, it, It's worth it, I, is all I'll say. I, and I know you know that it's worth it, and I know that you're you enjoy the aspects that are enjoyable, but I... Ah, I just I want to know I want to know your fuller thoughts and and that'll also be interesting because I I doubt you'll probably wrap the game up before the show is over so I I, I want to catch up to the show with you and maybe there's less in this first season than we're thinking is gonna be based on the on on where we're ending up in the game here. 
Well, yeah, I have no idea what the pace of this will be for me. I'll definitely play the DLC before the end. <laughs> before the end yeah. of the season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be that in and of it. It's like a little short film. You can just enjoy it on its own, pretty much. If you know who Ellie is and you know her situation, you're you're gonna you're gonna get something out of it. Yeah. So that will be fun, and or maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> well, it'll but... be. I don't want to spoil anything. It's gonna be kind of sad, but it'll be fun. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Sad and fun don't have to be mutually exclusive. That's something I would like this game to know. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's fair. But then again, name me a sad, fun video game right now. Name, name me one. I'm putting you on the Shame spot. No, I haven't played enough video games to do that. I, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. You're stuck on Mahjong over there. It's Slay the Spire. Hey, that I, is I, I sad, love fun Slay video the Spire. Game. I love Slay the Spire. It's sad because you get to the very end and then you die and then you have to uh, restart. I, I, no, I can't, I cannot get into Slay the Spire talk right now. I was about <laughs> to really go in. Okay, I think that wraps us up for our talk about The Last of Us, although it doesn't really. It's, it, it, it's going to be an ongoing conversation over the course of this podcast i think i this think is, so too this is the first of many last of us episodes that we will touch on if we ever don't have a warner warning some week i'll i'll slam it on you and say how far in the last of us have you gotten and we'll, that's we'll actually a great idea shavis like just spring <laughs> on me last of us watch 2023 yeah. you can come up with a better name but ah, you're you're too kind garrett you're too kind <laughs> <laughs> uh let's move on though to our pop culture reference let's do it For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about Troy Baker's prolific gaming career. Troy Baker, The Last of Us' Joel, is a prolific video game actor whose career spans across several of gaming's most iconic franchises. He's also known for his roles as Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinite, Sam Drake in Uncharted 4, Delson Rowe in Infamous Second Son, Higgs in Death Stranding, and Kanji in Persona 4, among many, many others. Baker's VO career has left a significant impact on the global video game industry. He currently holds the record for most BAFTA nominations for voice acting, with five nominations between 2013 and 2021. He is set to appear in The Last of Us HBO series, which just premiered, as James later in the season. Who I actually I don't know if you got to that part in the game, but I, I'm certain I didn't. I am. I think I'm remembering who James is, and James is not a not. He's not a kind man. That's all, that's, that's what I'll say about. Is that. Joel a kind man? I no, think not. I mean, does Joel cannibalize human beings? Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. I would say. Uh, but, so he's he's the uh, he's coming in as the. The stuff that we thought we were getting in Quiet Place Part Two that we <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah, exactly. in Quiet Place Part Two. Exactly. But yeah, I, I love Troy Baker. He is incredible in his range in voice. If if those few that we said before weren't enough, he's also like he's in every anime English dub ever made. He's got so many more. He's in like the the Borderlands games and he's in Final Fantasy. He's in the Batman Lego Arkham Batman. game, Lego <laughs> Batman, up in here. He's in. He's just like the most, definitely one of the most well-known American English voice actors out there. And he actually appeared in the second Last of Us game with the most prolific female English voice actor, Laura Bailey. And that that was a big that was a big uh, casting move. I remember when that was coming out. That that was huge news. Not to mention that I think he and Nolan North have a hilarious, like, career intertwinement <laughs> yeah. because they've played brothers in so many, di- so many different properties in Uncharted, most famously, but also, like, they're Magni and Modi in God <laughs> yeah, of War. We talked about that in our episode, yeah. And um, they've got that YouTube channel together. They have a YouTube channel together. <laughs> I have. I don't really know anything about it other than the fact that they have a YouTube channel together. That's pretty. That's fascinating. They're just doing like let's plays of their own games. I think I would they watch actually that. straight up are. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's so much fun. I love that. This isn't a pop culture reference about Nolan North <laughs> and Troy Baker's video game channel. This is about how Troy Baker's been in every game ever made. Everything ever. You can at this point. I I need very little to recognize his voice in pretty much anything. So I, it's. 
he he's everywhere. I, I I truly think he's an incredible talent. And you know I will never stop talking about Death Stranding and his recent announcement when that game was announced. It was also announced that he's coming back for it. So I'm, yes. oh, I'm so pumped. But we can't overlook his most con- important contribution to to gaming, which is um uh probably one of the most iconic video game characters of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Agent Jones from Fortnite. Um. <laughs> oh my god! I was so I was like, who am I forgetting? What is the what is the most iconic? We already talked about the ball. You little bastard! I I didn't know. wait. What is his name in Fortnite? Agent Jones, like Jonesy from Fortnite, like the the Fortnite guy. He is the Fortnite guy. I didn't even know they talked. Oh, I there's, guess there's a story mode and stuff. Right. Well, there's not only is there a story mode, but there's oh my! I can't believe I'm gonna say this on air. <laughs> Out um, yourself, Garrett. In Fortnite, there are quests that you can do where you get, like, the characters, like, talk to you over, like, your earpiece and, like, send you to do different stuff across the map. And you earn XP by doing I hate myself right now. I really Uh, hate myself right now. (laughs) You um, are revealing. You're like, oh, I just can't play The Last of Us, the most acclaimed video game of all time. But here's all this deep lore about Fortnite. It's not deep lore about Fortnite. It's very surface level lore about Fortnite. (laughs) Hey, if I was surface level, I would know about it. Somebody who's played Fortnite twice. Brie Larson's there sometimes, you know. Like actual Brie Larson? No, yeah, like that's half the reason I'm playing it, to be honest. Damn, okay, all right. Um... Because she's one of the she's one of the characters. Joel McHale <laughs> is there, you know. Joel McHale, yeah. Bizarre, bizarre. Garrett, absolutely bizarre. Yeah, I don't. It's not <laughs> something I like to talk about. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's a, hey. If Troy Baker's there, it must mean they're doing something right. So I'll I'll give it to you. Oh, he's the bad guy in Spider-Man Miles Morales. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were mentioning that before. That that's pretty right. He's he plays a great bad guy. He's a wonderful bad guy. I think they should do a video game where he plays every character. <laughs> like, like uh, what is the reference I'm trying to come up with that I can only I think of know. the fake reference? Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. Yeah, there you go. Sure, sure, sure. Like, I just think that'd be really good. I think he's got the range to do it, though, which some people have maybe leveled the accusation that Tom Hanks is not, which <laughs> I would never say. Um, yeah, oh, never, never. Tom, Tom um, Hanks may or may not be part of the Illuminati, so you just cool it there. Santa Claus, little boy... Ghost hobo. Ghost homeless man. <laughs> Harmonizing with it, singing hot chocolate, just going crazy. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention the conductor, the character. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's does the he, most does he maybe boy. not play the dad of the boy, the main character? No, he boy? does play the dad of the boy. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's all good. And all right, this is, this is insane here, by the way. We are so off the Troy Baker rails. But are we? Are we really, though? I think we're still there in spirit. <laughs> Uh, if I could think of any iconic line from any of these roles that I'm looking at right now, I would try to make a joke, but there, he either just plays, like, a white guy badass or, like, evil crazy, crazy He's man. Hulk in the Avengers game? With the new one? Yeah! That's crazy, no kidding. That Which, is crazy. It just got its last update, I guess. I oh, yeah, it's getting its last, last update. Night. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Troy Baker, he'll never work in this town again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. So we brought it back, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a bizarre edit. I promise you that. (laughs) But that Troy Baker reference really started to get off the rails a little bit there. But why do you say we round it up, we get to the end of this thing, and we save the rec center, Garrett? Let's do it, partner. Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) I hoped you would say yeehaw. I literally thought, Seamus, say yeehaw. And then you did it. (laughs) We are connected brains. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, I know you have have an embarrassment of riches of rec centers mm. ready to go. So so hit us with your first uh, of of many consecutive weeks yes. of rec centers. Yes, yes, yes. I have had the absolute pleasure of listening to Mac DeMarco's brand new album. Five easy hot dogs, and it is. I think it's. I think it's lovely. I think it. A lot of people are a little on the fence about it. It is a completely instrumental Mac DeMarco album. It teeters more on the side of like lo-fi background with a Mac DeMarco twist. But I'm kind of all about that. You know me, Garrett. That that is I, like I the, do know that. 
my two music genres are Mac DeMarco and lo-fi hip-hop beats to study slash relax to. So this was this was a a solid entry in the Mac DeMarco discography for me. He did this long, introspective, like 7,000-mile solo road trip to record this album, like all by himself, just uh, all the way across Canada and the United States, and... What came out of it was honestly really, really solid. I think you could put it on in the background. You could put it on to listen to very specifically. I I think I need to listen to it a couple more times because it gets very... You get in the groove of it and you almost lose where one song stops and another begins. But they're all really, really satisfying to listen to. Heavy on the synth keyboard, of course. Um, and... I don't know. I, I think anybody can get into this. And Mac DeMarco maybe isn't for everybody, but this is it's just a very pleasant, calming, interesting form that he's taking on right now compared to some of the more frantic, weird, lyrical stuff that he, he's known for. So I, I highly recommend you check it out. Five Easy Hot Dogs. Got, gotta love that album name. It, it, is, it is something else. I check that out definitely. Yeah, you. I, you've, I, you've sold me, Seamus. Yeah. All right. All right. Another one for the books. I, I'm sure he'll come out with a record store day demos version of this. Even though I don't know how you do demos of an album that is like mostly demos sounding things. All right. You and I'll go stand out at three in the morning. Uh, it's right yeah. outside your apartment. The record Hell store. Yeah. So don't dox me, Karen. <laughs> Doxing my location. <laughs> yeah. There's only one record store in Milwaukee. Yeah. So North. Avenue. <laughs> Fully bleep that out. Uh, uh, but anyway, before I dox myself again, what do you got for the rec center this week? Well, if anybody knows anything about me, it's that I love pining period romance films, which is absolutely true. Not something I talk about very often on this show because there's not really a reason to. But I just watch like one of the one of the greats, and I'd never actually seen it which is The Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese with Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Winona Ryder. It is absolutely excellent. It's because there are so many things that that period pining romances should be. Um, They, they should be in high society or at least mid-society, but d- during a period where being in mid-society still meant that you were like, you know, way better off than mm. any of the peasants around you and that you're... You should be caught in the rules of that society so that even though by today's standards there should be no problem for you to be together, um, there are so many obstacles in your path. There should be love that is unspoken for probably the first half of the story length, (laughs) and it should be incredibly long and a little bit boring. (laughs) And uh, Scorsese, he checks almost all of those boxes except... He just can't make something boring. He he tries his best, but every single dialogue scene, all of these awful, oity-toity, high-society people eating all of their fancy meals in 1890s New York and smoking their big cigars, and he just makes it all so riveting and interesting. And Daniel Day-Lewis, obviously outstanding, mm. super young Winona Ryder, though probably not as young as she looks, <laughs> because she looked young forever. She looked like a child for 20 years. And Michelle Pfeiffer, all three of the leads are 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 wonderful. I think Scorsese often in mainstream perception gets pigeonholed as like a gangster movie guy mm-hmm. or a crime movie guy. And genuinely, my most favorite of of his films are when he completely bucks anything related to that. Like I like I like Goodfellas, the Casino, and Wolf of Wall Street, and all that stuff. But I mean. The Scorsese movies that really resonate with me are films like Age of Innocence and The Aviator and Silence, where he gets to go a little bit more esoteric, a little Mm -hmm. bit more obscure. There's almost never violence in films like that. So it's on Hulu right now. I think it's leaving soon, which is part of the reason I decided to watch it, but I've been meaning to watch it for many years, and just I enjoyed it. I loved it so much. Yeah, you you sold me on that. That sounds fabulous. Just I, I I am also a fan of that like high society drama, spilling the tea wherever you can. It's I'm I'm a big fan of that. And like you said, Scorsese, New York. You said 1890s. Is that 1890s New York? Yeah, that sounds like my cup of tea right there. So I I think I might try to catch that before it, it leaves. Yeah, please please do. It's 
One, honestly, I think it might be my favorite film of his I've ever wow. seen. Yeah, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty big. I mean, because like you said, I'm a big fan of his, you know, over the top crime, organized crime stuff too. But that that is a big thing to say about Scorsese. So I, I that's an extra point in the direction. I also it also has Saul Bass opening titles, which is always a treat. Oh yeah, and I mean a lot of Scorsese movies do Casino very famously has those those gorgeous Saul Bass opening titles but I also think he invokes so much old cinema old almost like silent era imagery which is really effective like he does spotlights in on stuff like he literally has like the the black come in on the sides with a with a circle in the middle of the screen like highlighting something it's really it's it's really fun just to see him play in that sandbox in that world yeah dude you've sold me i i am in that sounds like a really interesting piece to watch well i think that wraps us up for this week's meandering bizarre episode (laughs) of pop culture reference where we mostly talked about the game that we were supposed to talk about If you want to reach the show, you can find us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at PCR underscore podcast. Email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Engage with the show in any way you can. Please comment below and tell me how I'm an idiot for not finishing (laughs) The Last of Us after playing it 15 times. And please come back next week and join us as we cover uh, a film that we have been talking about covering for months, was on our schedule, then its American release got pushed, and then... Seamus got, you know, his death. (laughs) Came back from death. Now we're here. And we will finally be talking about, highly anticipated for both of us, the Martin McDonough, Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell film, The Banshees of Inishirin. And I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited to talk about this one with you, Seamus. Yeah, me too. I'm even more excited that we finally pretty much nailed down how to say that name of the movie, too. That's that's fantastic. And I I'm I'm absolutely ecstatic to get back there and see those boys again on screen. So, I will see you next week then. Adios amigos.